Let's go, girls. From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up with Beck and Franklin is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they've always dreamed of. Why live in black and white when you can choose the brilliance of 3D and Technicolor? Each week, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin and their high-powered guests will be here to cheer you on, to share their challenges, their successes, and what they've learned along the way. It's all about women supporting women. The stories and practical tips on sex, beauty, money, and so much more are designed to help you reconnect to the powerful woman you are. Fabulous knows no limits. Now it's time for you to expand your boundaries. Here are Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Right, right. Hey, ladies. This is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and this is Powered Up Talk Radio. Linda, I'm so happy that you're here with me today. I miss you, and I'm so glad that we get to at least meet once a week on the air. <laughs> yes, that is that is a given. But, you know, we could try to make it more often. I know how busy you are, and I've been running around like crazy, too, but... Um... You know, we got to make time for these things. We do, we do. And it's funny, you know, I was working through some of these workbooks this week um, that are supposed to help me get myself better in alignment. And it was interesting because one of the things that it said was, you know, I had my alignments like... <laughs> It was so off, Linda, because I, you know, they were like, what are the most important things that you need to feel um, like complete in your life? And I'm like, one of them was girlfriend time. And then when I went through my day planner in the last month to find girlfriend time, like the last time I really saw or had a good chat or visited with anyone or had a call was over a month ago. So I am working on realigning my energies, realigning my days to try to figure out how best I can, you know, grow myself along with growing my business. Well, how are you doing these alignments? Are you are you looking at the stars or how <laughs> reading horoscopes or what are you doing? Well, you know, funnily enough, um yeah, I've been having my tarot cards read. Uh so that gives me some guidance. I have a couple of these workbooks uh that were sent to me by New Harbinger Publishers, uh, you know, to to consider for future guests on the show. And I found that I'm actually working through these books. Like I worked through one this week about boundaries. And it's so funny, Linda, because I grew up not really having a lot of boundaries or not even thinking about boundaries. Um, And I really didn't understand what that word meant between you and me. And of course, everybody listening today, um, you know, I didn't, I always thought boundaries were a bad thing, you know, and it meant no. And, and, you know, those were not good things, but I've come to learn that, that boundaries are a good thing and boundaries are found in nature and boundaries are just rules or laws or, or beliefs that you have that, that, you know, kind of put your life into alignment. Right. Um, you know, everybody has a different idea of boundaries. Um, and most people don't, uh, even boundaries with other people, you know, how they, how they step over the line when they, they really have to, um, you know, you got to watch yourself in all things. You have to, you have to maintain your own boundaries so you don't, you know, get squashed and then you have to respect other people's boundaries as well. Well, and that's the thing, Linda, I was really, really good at respecting other people's boundaries, what I found out during this workbook, um, you know, and I started started really writing down like, you know, 
boundary things that I experienced. But I really never sat down and, and gave a minute thought to what was important to me. And, you know, the big ones, yeah, don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, don't make fun of me, don't insult me. You know, things like that were easy ones. Um, but there were other ones that I felt that needed some defining. And I think we have to redefine boundaries as we get older or as we change in different situations, don't you? Yeah, well, everything changes with time, you know, so things that were, you know, that you might have done in your 20s, you may not feel are appropriate to do in your 40s or your 50s or your 60s. And, and yeah, I mean, life is just about constant, constant changing. Um, and if you don't, you're going to find yourself in not such a good place because um, the world is changing around you. People are changing. And if you're, if you're really stuck in, this, in the same beliefs and the same boundaries that you, that, that you had since you were a kid, it, it doesn't work anymore. Yeah, I well, I, I blew that one. You know, there's a whole bunch of life lessons that were handed out. And I think, you know, when I was in heaven waiting to be born or wherever wherever I was, um, I just missed that whole week. You know, the whole thing about boundary setting, the thing about changing, um, because it's all new to me. And it just feels like I've woke up and woken up after like a 12-year marriage nap. <laughs> okay, well, you, but you're awake now, so, so that's a good thing. <laughs> You know, you just have to ask yourself what feels good and what doesn't. And, and it's kind of, you know, most people don't even, it's really that simple. If it doesn't feel good, maybe uh, maybe you shouldn't be doing it or you have to change the way you're doing it. Um, it's all about you and, and what works and what doesn't work. So yeah, I was reading this a- article today that uh, women... Uh, and not that I, th- I think this is anything particularly new, but they were doing, they, they surveyed 2,000 women, um, and women start to feel invisible in their middle 40s, and by 51, they don't feel like, like they are uh, taken seriously anymore. Wow, really? Well, that was the survey. I don't know. Do you, I, you know, I don't completely agree with it. Um, oh, I don't agree at all. But, but you know, again, with everything, everything else, it's a, it's a, about the individual. Um, if you feel like you're not, if you're invisible, uh, if you feel people aren't uh, giving you credit or paying attention to what you have to say or what, or think what you have to say is important, maybe it's time for a change. Maybe it's your delivery. Maybe it's um, maybe you're coming off as not being relevant. So what or can you do maybe about it's, that? It's the way you've set your life up. You know, like I look at some of these moms, Linda, you know, who have done a great job raising their kids, but they haven't like along the way cultivated themselves or cultivated their interests outside of it. So I do see, you know, some of my 50 something friends whose kids are grown that didn't have, you know, a sphere of influence outside of just raising these kids, finding that, you know, they're somehow, you know, left behind or obsolete or no longer needed anymore. But when I look at the women that I know who have their own personal gig going on, they, they write, they dance, they sing, they, whatever it is, read tarot cards, doesn't, matter what they do but it's outside of that realm i feel like they don't get into their power till their 40s and by 50 man they are changing the world it's funny because i see it completely different and i'm curious to know what pool of people they pulled from yeah i would be curious i did you know i didn't get that uh i didn't I didn't see that information, but again, you know, it's, and then uh, of course it always has to be about men. So they felt like men weren't looking at them anymore. 
Well, again, you know, individual, right? If you let yourself go and 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 you're in your forty going on seventy, then then maybe maybe that's right. Yeah, oh, I agree absolutely. I think of uh, this lady Betty Graham that I worked with at Coldwell Banker, and Betty had to be seventy if she was a day when she was running our office, and you know she had been in the business a long time, and Betty is and you know to this day she lives in Palm Springs. She is a fox. She is trim. She is pretty. She dresses beautifully, and yeah, she is. She has age. She hasn't had a million you know plastic surgery jobs to try to look like she's twenty anymore, but she is a fox she's she's beautiful she's she's vibrant she's lively she dresses well she grooms herself she takes really good care of herself and i'm telling you you know heads turned for her you know with the guys in my office from 20 to 60 it wasn't a beautiful woman's a beautiful woman and i'm going to be the first one uh to say that that age doesn't matter it's your attitude it's how you take care of yourself it's how you carry yourself that is the the some sort of attraction Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, the, you're, the, you know, as you age, you supposedly you gather more wisdom, and people w- want to hear your perspective and what you have to say. But again, you um, it, it's all about you know my ninety year old, my friend who's going to be ninety. I'm invited to her ninetieth birthday party. It's going to be a big bash. It's so funny. It's going to be at the home of Arlene Dahl. Oh. And I, Arlene Dahl is like that old time movie actress. Yeah, yeah, and and I think she's on her sixth husband, but it's going to be at her her house. And everybody, all younger people, uh, want to be in my friend's company because she is smart, she's cute, she's relevant, she's energetic, she's smart. So why wouldn't you want to be in the company of, of somebody like that? Well, it's funny because you didn't mention that she's 90. Like that's the least important factor that you, you just identified with this lady. Yeah, no, so it, 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 it's, it's great, you know. Um, and then I know people in their 40s that are boring as hell. <laughs> yeah. You know, they oh, it's true. It's go. true. When I no think of my grandma, and I'm just going to like make you laugh here, Linda. My grandma was 88, and she used to. She was living in a nursing home because she really couldn't drive and she couldn't care for herself that well anymore. And I would watch her. I'd go visit her, and she would take this little folding chair out, you know, the kind that has like the little stripies, like the woven stripies, and she'd carry her little chair out, and she would open it in front of her little like assisted living apartment in the quad area, and she would sit out there and she would talk to all the men that went by she talked to all the women that went by and she would chat and she was friendly and she was telling people about what she read in the magazines what she saw on tv she had a boyfriend at 90 and she died at 93 and she lived an amazing life and i look at her and i thought i was in my 20s at northwestern and i'm out on the quad you know in front of the dorm on a towel you know talking to everybody in my bathing suit you know in the summer and you know if you don't stop living you're going to have a great life. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's all attitude. And, and uh, you know, I don't know if you're born with it or if you develop it over time, but uh, some people just seem to have that, hmm, that special je ne sais quoi that, you know, just gets better with time. Yeah, that spark, that spark. I think yeah. you have it. I think I have it. And uh, I think that many of our listeners have it. So it's time for us all to have like an internet group hug. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. 
Well, I am going to take us to commercial break, my dear friend, because when we come back, we are going to talk to Merriam Webster, and she wrote a book called Everyday Bliss for Busy Women, and I've been reading it uh, because I am one of her target market who is just completely whacked when it comes to schedule, and I'm going to work on slowing down, and I actually have been working through, this is another book that I've been working through, so I'm really excited. How do you get uh, to, to do talk- anything? You're already there's so much reading. <laughs> I know. I know, but I'm learning a lot, and I'm actually in, implementing the stuff I'm learning. So, you know, I, I'm so thankful, Linda, for you in my life because you always give me great validation and you always give me great advice. Uh, when we come back, we're going to meet Merriam Webster of Everyday Bliss for Busy Women. We've got lots more powered up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. Homeschooling? Half questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Hmm. Maybe she can call me and do me do it again. You know what? We are live on the air, so uh, we are back from break, and my name is Sandra Beck, and this is Linda Franklin and Powered Up Talk Radio. So we have a great guest today. We were talking a little bit before the break uh, about everyday bliss for busy women, which I'm a busy woman. Linda, you're a busy woman. So I'm really excited to bring Miriam Webster uh, to the airwaves today, and uh do we have do we have Miriam? I'm here. Woo, hear there me? we go. <laughs> oh, well I got to tell you I have really truly enjoyed reading your book Everyday Bliss for Busy Women. Um I think that it's it's really well written for somebody like me, a busy woman, because you don't – I'm just going to say it the way it is. You don't put a lot of stuff in there you don't need. You get to the point. <laughs> I can highlight something on a page and put it into action immediately. You don't make me do – a lot of work and you don't make me read a lot to get to the point and the other thing I liked about your Mm -hmm. book is I could almost start anywhere in there like an oracle for what speaks to me and that to me was really fun because you know it's really hard as a busy woman to pick up a book and read it cover to cover that almost never happens with me right like we have that kind of time yeah we don't 
Okay, so Miriam, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself so our listeners know who we are interviewing today? Oh, I am happy to. Um, and thank you so much, Sandy and Linda, for having me on. I'm so one of the things that uh, most people think is really kind of startling about me is I was a paraplegic for three and a half years. Uh, I was hit by a drunk driver, and it took out my uh, ability to get uh, around just progressively. I got more and more paralyzed, more and more paralyzed. I was a psychologist, and I'd all told I was in practice around 25, between 25 and 30 years, but this was at midpoint of my career. And I was completely powerless to do anything because I can't take pills and they couldn't operate on me. I was living overseas. I was in England and I was on a two-year wait for just a diagnostic MRI. So that's socialized medicine over there at that point in the 80s. And I lacked any kind of ability to help myself out and I was in screaming agony. So I picked up these things called energy therapies that I talk about in my book and they helped me actually get myself out of the pain without using drugs. Once I was out of pain, I could then start working on the actual issues that I was having, just, you know, re-knitting. I, I remade a piece of bone that had been completely, uh, was, they said it just turned into instant uh, dust when the impact happened. It was a rear-end collision. And... Uh, I was missing the back of this piece of vertebrae, and they said, we're going to have to take it out. And I said, no, you're not, because I knew that that would, meant, that would have meant permanent, permanent paralysis. And so I regrew it over a period of years. It took me nine years to regain my mobility, wow. but I'm back. I'm back, totally back. I'm fully you know, hiking and running and walking and jumping and dancing and doing yoga and everything. And... That really informed the rest of my life and the rest of my practice. I said, I want to work with these therapies. They are so powerful. And, hey, I can, unlike, you know, being coming into a, a therapist or a doctor or somebody's office for year after year after year, I can give this stuff to people to go home with, and they can take it home like you've found. It's easy to practice, isn't it? It is. I mean, and the nice thing is you don't have to, for me, I'm a single mom with two little kids. I'm on a really tight budget. And the idea that I didn't have to go out and buy a lot of stuff to help myself was really fabulous. I got to tell you, that was the best, one of the best parts of it. Right. There's still powders, pills, potions, nothing, you know, no crazy exercise device. (laughs) um, It's just what you have on board. Like if you've got a body and you can use it, you're done. You're there. You've got all the all the materials you need. Yeah, but the, you know this is an amazing story, um, and it took you nine years to get back from from a and get back your body that you basically lost due to the accident. So what mm-hmm. is you know what is it? Give us some of the components of of this of this miracle. Okay, one of the things uh, I'm going to tell you this because my the progression of my work has been to go on, and as I've approached and and I'm entering middle years, is to work with women uh, on menopause symptoms. And I'll tell you, it's the same thing on both sides, whether you've had a catastrophic injury or whether you have a a natural process of the body with symptoms you don't really want to have or any other thing that that gives you a a state that you don't want to be in, the first thing to look at is what are your beliefs around that. First of all, there's the, there's the physical changes that are happening, and that goes without saying. 
But looking at what I can do about it, I want to look around what my beliefs are around what I can do. Now, I want to go back and cite, um, I, I won't go to, into citing research studies, but there's been a lot of research done, let's say, around cultures that have, you know, we call primitive cultures that have yet to uh, really uh, become industrialized. In those primitive cultures, women tend not to experience the pain of childbirth in quite the same way, nor do they have extremely protracted childbirths, unless there's something radically wrong with the baby. But in, in the ordinary childbirth, the birth lasts uh, several hours, you know, between two and three hours, and the woman is not really in what could be called the, you know, the excruciating agony I know my mother described. And that every other, you know, if you ask women about childbirth, oh, you've never had pain like this, you know. We have these myths and these stories that we tell each other around what things have to be. Like this, the pain of childbirth has to be painful. And what we notice is with these cultures, when they started becoming more and more westernized, then women started reporting longer childbirths and more pain. So that's a signal to me, and there are many studies like this on various different aspects of human life. There, that's just a sign to me that that is belief entering the picture. That is someone else's, what, what I call a thought virus, that they have a thought about, I can't, I shouldn't, I mustn't, I will never, or people in our family never, or all the women in our family always, fill in the blank. And they pass that thought virus on, person to person. And we, as mothers, pass it on to our daughters. We had it passed to us by our mothers and grandmothers. Nobody's fault. It's just how human beings live life. We tend to develop stories, and we believe stories. So I look at stories first. What stories do I have around my capabilities for getting rid of pain, for being in pain, for, for having a comfortable body, for having a body that works? And I looked at, uh, I also went very deep. I did a lot of somatic meditation, for instance, the rebuilding of the vertebra. Uh, my L5 vertebra was completely, the back was blown off. It turned into shrapnel. The shrapnel drove into my spinal cord. I leaked spinal fluid for between three and six months before I managed to get back to the United States and have an operation. And... During that time, the whole situation just degenerated further and further and further and further. So we tend to feel very disempowered about our bodies. We give up our power to those in authority, doctors, nurses, the, the, you know, anybody with a medical uh, license or letters after their name. But the reality is everybody, everywhere, men, women, children, everyone, we all have the ability to heal ourselves. This is an innate, inborn ability that we've just forgotten. I'm not um, special. We can all do this. Was diet, vitamins, anything uh, besides your, your meditation and your belief system have, have something to do with the recovery? Well, let me say that meditation and belief, that's just the beginning. You said, how did it begin? That's just the beginning. Right. Um, and, yes, diet played a large part in it. You want to have a very well-nourished body. I, for instance, my body does not want to eat meat anymore. That, for me, that works. For you, you may need to eat meat. Um, so there's no sort of one-size-fits-all prescription here, but it's getting so in tune with your body that, that it's very subtle signals. They're very quiet. But if you're quiet enough to hear them and you tune in on them and you go with that, it will never lead you wrong. Your tongue 
will lie for chocolate cake, let's face it. But <laughs> when you tune into the center of your body, the, the deep wisdom that is inside each of us, um, and this is like, you know, ask the liver what it needs, the pancreas, the, the organs. I asked this vertebra what it needed to be whole again, and it wanted me to eat collard greens. I my, grew up with my, my father was Southern, and we had a whole lot of collard greens and kale and broccoli and okra and all that kind of stuff. And it said, I want greens, I want greens. And there were nutrients in those greens that helped me rebuild that bone, but that wasn't all it needed. That was just in one aspect. So again, it's not prescriptive, as in, I don't have a prescription I can give you, take this vitamin, that supplement. Um, There are some generic outlines. I think everybody by now pretty much knows how to eat healthy. We know we should be drinking water instead of soda, that kind of thing. But other than that, it's tuning in and listening and really obeying what your body, working with your body, because you're one, this is a huge, sentient, intelligent organism. And we tend to discount the body, think of it as kind of a dumb, non, you know, non-sentient piece of stuff that carries our brain around, a meat sack, somebody called it. And it's Did actually you? extremely intelligent. Did you take pain meds? Um, I had one baby natural childbirth, and then I had the other one totally drugged up, and I thought the drugged up birth was so much better Mm -hmm. uh, between you and me from a pain standpoint. But, you know, I didn't know any other alternatives uh, at the time. But did you take pain meds during your recovery process? Yes, I did. When I I was in the hospital, I was on a morphine drip, and it was great. I was was kind of just la-la land, you know, <laughs> I was out of it, uh, but it was never quite enough. It just took the edge off. It, it mm-hmm. was never quite enough to completely obliterate it. And then when I got out, they don't give you a drip to take home. They give you pills. And I found my body did not, it rejected the pills. It didn't want to keep them down. So I would throw up the pills to the point where they had to give me very heavy anti-nausea medication just to keep the pain pills down. And I finally said, you know what, I, this is, it's just too much. You're giving me one pill for one symptom and something else to kill the symptom that that pill causes, and it's where do we end? So each one of the medications they were giving me was giving me something secondary that was almost as bad as the initial symptom. Well, and it's interesting you say that, Miriam, because, you know, when in the birth of my son, the first one, that was an emergency birth um, and unexpected at 32 weeks and, and extremely painful. But I'm going to tell you, there was this old Russian nurse who was working at the hospital who came to me and I'm like, it hurts, it hurts. She said to me, she goes, does it hurt or does it feel different? Like, because, you know, there's, you're having contractions, you're doing this. Not all of it That's hurts, great. but it feels really strange. And it made me think of when you talked about passing down, you know, these belief systems, uh, which I'd like to talk to more after the break. Uh, you know, how do we identify some of the things we're feeling or do we just lump it in a big bucket of pain? Uh, my name is Sandra Beck. I'm here with Linda Franklin, and this is Powered Up Talk Radio. And we are visiting today with Miriam Webster, the author of Every day bliss for busy women when we come back from the break we're going to talk about belief systems and how they shape our lives our health and the things that we need to do day to day we've got lots more powered up with sandra beck and linda franklin after these messages this is for all you girls about 42 
LinkedIn. It's a great tool, and Carol McManus is the LinkedIn lady. With the LinkedIn Lady Show, Wednesday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on Toginet.com. The LinkedIn Lady Show is here to show you and your business how every social media site has a specific demographic, personality, and purpose that can benefit you. The LinkedIn Lady will have interviews each week with a variety of guests, such as business owners who will showcase their businesses and talk about how they're using social media to stay in touch with not only customers, but to attract new relationships that become customers. Other guests will be experts in social media who will speak to the use of Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Google, Plaxo, Squidoo, and of course, LinkedIn. For more on Carol and the show, check out her website, LinkedInLady.com. Join us, won't you, every Wednesday afternoon at 5, 4 Central. It's the LinkedIn Lady Show with host Carol McManus on toginet.com. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. This is Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin. And from coast to coast, we've got you covered with everything to do with money, sex, beauty, love. And today we're talking about bliss with Merriam-Webster. She wrote a book called Everyday Bliss for Busy Women. And for those of you who missed the first half of our show, you can check us out on iTunes. You can go to PoweredUpTalkRadio.com, and you can go to Toginet.com, our host station, and download over 100 hours of family-friendly uh, broadcasting. They're also great for women in their 40s, 50s, and 60s uh, so that we can become powered up in every aspect of our life. And before we went to break, we were talking about belief systems and how belief systems affect our health. And Linda, I'd like to throw the mic over to you uh, before we go to Merriam-Webster and ask you about healing and belief systems with respect to your own health. Well, I, I really, um, I try to listen to my body as much as I can because after a while, uh, you do get disillusioned with what, with, with doctors. Um, I really envy the people that, ha- that have doctors that they really, uh, think highly of, that they have a good rapport with and really take good care of their patients because, um, I'm here in New York, uh, I haven't found one like that yet, and everybody has their specialty. So it's it's really you need a team to to kind of work it out, and you have to be leader of the team because if you're not leader of your own team, God knows what happens to you. It's kind of scary out there because these doctors just go. It's, it's I I don't know. They they don't look at the individual. They just you know they just kind of look at you like you're a number and you know prescribe a pill. But you know, some, sometimes you need to go because you get you get afraid of the things, and you need to get the test that you need to take uh, to pre- prevent medicine or to prevent disease, which I believe is the most important thing. So, you know, I, I'm hearing an echo, but I, I um, you know, I, oh, I, I do the best I can, and and I don't I don't like pain. I don't I don't like to not feel good today. I went to a physical therapist because I've been. Uh, experiencing some uh, discomfort. And so I, when something happens, I, I do everything I can do to take care of it so I don't feel pain. I don't like pain. 
Well, Linda, I think you raise a very good point about integrated health, you know, and I, I look at what's happening in the changes in the military right now. I look at what's happening, you know, just in my magazines that I read. And I, I think that there's something to be said about exploring different alternatives and not just accepting the fact that if you go to a surgeon, he's going to want to cut it out. If you go to a therapist, they're going to want to talk it out. If you go to a, you know, a, a, a psychiatrist or a medical doctor, they're going to give you a pill to put it out, you know, because people can only help with what's in their skill set. And if you went to medical school, you're going to practice what you learned in medical school. But what I like about what Miriam is talking about today, and I'd like her to talk a little bit more about it, is that this is a self-educated woman. She's highly educated, um, has her master's degree, so that's not to take anything away, but you took a very devastating life process and turned it around into an amazing teaching tool for other women. Mm. Yeah, and I think that that's the, to just turn that back on you and Linda, that you've had amazing life processes, and look what you're doing here with your show. I mean, you're, you're, you have a worldwide, shall we say, ministry um, to, to women, to empower women, and with, also with your military mom show. Um, gosh, you know, that's, that's amazing. And that comes out of your life experience, each of your individual life experience. And that's each of us. I just want, I, if, I, if, I, if you don't hear anything else I say, I hope people hear that, that you are enough just as you are, A, and B, you have all the tools you need to solve the problems you have right there inside you. You just need to find them, dig them out, and start using them. And that's what can be the, like Linda said, that's what can be the hardest thing sometimes. Because everybody, you know, if it's a carpenter, he's going to approach that thing with a hammer and saw. Um, you know, if you go to a doctor, they're going to want to cut it out, etc., so it's finding the right approach for you. And the things that I'm teaching, by the way, you can use those with standard psychotherapy, with, you know, a medical model. You can support yourself. I, I like the tools because they're, they're self-supporting. Often you can get rid of stuff just, you know, with just the tools that I'm teaching alone. But if you're in a medical model, if you're taking hormones, for instance, or if you're, you know, if you're having a surgery, you can also use the tools to support where you are. So please hear that you're enough. You already got it on board. You rock. Just realize that and go forward. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Miriam, I have a question. When you uh, went back to a doctor and, and uh, after your, your, your nine years and, and mm-hmm. they saw what had happened, you know, how you healed your body, um, and because I'm sure that you know they had X-rays and they had all sorts of medical records to show where mm-hmm. you were to where you are now. What did they say? Oh, that's that's interesting. Thanks for asking that. So I went I went back to the surgeon who operated on me, who said you need to get a wheelchair and you need to just wrap your mind around the fact that you will never walk again. You need to come to terms with that because if you don't, you're just gonna you're going to be in for heartache and so on and so forth. And I went back to see him um, at several intervals, one when I was on a walker and later when I actually walked in under my own steam. And he didn't remember me either of the two times. Um, But when I reminded him, he said, well, there's always one fluke case. Ah, they always have the answer, right? 
Yeah. And it's, yeah, and it was always the, the, there's always one exception to every rule. There's always one fluke case. And since that time, I've taught thousands of women to do what I, I've done. Some of them have gotten walking again. Some of, that's been some of their, you know, the reasons that they came to see me. But a lot of them have left unproductive relationships or changed their completely, changed their life around. When we get to midlife, everything goes in the blender. It's like everything's up for grabs. <laughs> You're right. It's like, oh, the heck you said. No, I'm not going to do that anymore. What are you going to do? I have no idea, but it ain't going to be this. <laughs> and we get up and we walk out of jobs and, you know, right? We change our relationships with our kids and they're like, wait, mom, you were supposed to be this nice, serene person. And now you're like going to classes and, you know, you're doing all this stuff and starting a charity and trekking to Nepal. What is all this stuff going on? And we, I think we're here to bamboozle our youngsters. That's kind of one of, one of the whole points of midlife. Just shake them up a little bit. Anyway. Well, and I think think... that you look at your life, like I know, you know, just having turned 40 recently, I... I started going like, okay, I'm at the halfway mark. You know, it's like, you know, this is Super Bowl, you know, halftime show for me to figure out like, what is the second half going to bring? And Mm -hmm. if you take it from that standpoint of going, all right, I burned through, you know, half of my game. I've got, you know, the other half of my game to play yet. You really wake yourself up and go, okay, is this all there is to life? But part of that is weeding out a lot of that stuff you don't want. And that's one thing that I would like to move our focus into the direction today. Sure. Um, because I've been doing your exercises in your book. And one of them that I found really great was was making the bliss list. Because uh-huh. I am so different than I was when I was 20. And Linda and I talk about this. And then we're 30. And then we're 40 or 50 and 60. And we change so much. So oh, yeah. what made me happy in my 20s doesn't make me happy in my 40s anymore. But I never kind of updated that file in my soul. Ah, very good point, updating the file. Um, I was talking to someone earlier today in the medical profession, or excuse me, I'm sorry, in the technology profession, and it was a guy and he was talking, we were talking about things his wife is going through, and I said, you can look at the human body like a biocomputer. It has files in it that are outdated and can clutter up the main system to where it bogs down and gets slower and slower. You know how your computer does and it gets slower and slower? You have to take it in and get it cleaned. And that's the work that we're talking about here, making a bliss list. A bliss list is not, I, I, you know, I started out thinking, okay, what gives me bliss? Well, if I go to Canyon Ranch, that gives me, you know, very expensive high-end spas give me bliss. But that's not an everyday thing, right? Um, I want people to have a bliss list that comprises things that they do every day or can do every day that are really just going to insert a pause. This is about inserting a pause that is not charged. In other words, you're not thinking about where you, what you've got to do next or where you've got to go next. You're solely concentrated on you, and it may be only five or ten minutes, but in that five or ten minutes, you solely concentrate on, our, on yourself. So I'll give you a couple of mine just to give you an idea. One thing I do is I give myself hand and foot massages. I, I do my cuticles like multiple times a day because I have the world's driest cuticles. But I turn that into just giving myself a hand and foot massage. You hit all those acupressure points in there, and it, it relaxes the body just like a full body massage. And that takes five minutes. 
Another thing I do is I hang out with my kitty cat and play with her. And that's fun for the both of us. And you can do that with your kids. I don't have kids, but you could do that with your children. You do that with cat or dog, any kind of family pet. Some, something, and it, it's really important that this, is, this person or animal that you're with is someone who will not demand more of you. So sometimes that's not playing with your kids. Oh, hell, that's putting them in the other room watching a movie and sitting down with a good book or your own movie and saying, Mom needs some time. There you go. See, and that's inserting the pause. We are, all too often we are in this headlong rush of our lives morning to night, and it gets to five minutes before bed. Well, I haven't meditated today. I guess I, I should uh, uh, meditate. And <laughs> we spend that last five minutes guilting on ourselves for not meditating all day and, or not going to yoga or whatever it is. And if we had something maybe at 2 o'clock in the afternoon that was just a five-minute little thing, I meditate while I do my nails. I meditate while I walk very slowly around my house. I have it, It's raining today, so I can't walk outside, but I have a really nice long hall. I can walk up and down, up and down, up and down. And I often do that just in a very meditative manner, and I consider something like I consider a topic like compassion or love or something. I do my uh, daily, uh, the somatic exercises that I suggest in the book, the tapping, the EFT tapping that a lot of people know about nowadays, that becomes that kind of break. It's a giving back to the self in a world that is pretty much just set up to take from us. Yes, absolutely. Um... I, but I think it's a process. I mean, you just can't disengage all at once. I think you have to do it in small steps because women uh, always feel guilty when they're not doing something. That, that's why I suggest just five minutes. It's yeah. just a, well, a you little know, bite. Yeah, well, I'm learning more than a lot. I'm, I'm way past five minutes. <laughs> you Good. know, I'll, I'll go some, watch in the middle of the day if there's a television program I missed. I will go put on on demand and watch the television program, and I'm just loving it, playing with my pooch. And it's you know that's just fun time. There you go, and that's all it's about. But it's getting that thing in once a day, every day, and then going for twice, and then three times. So three five minute breaks a day. You spent 15 minutes. 15 minutes is nothing. You spend that getting from one appointment to the other in traffic, right? Okay, and girls, i got to cut you off. we got to take a break. We're going to commercial. We'll be back to talk more about how to fit breaks into our day. We've got lots more powered up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. Evermore, people have the means to live, but no meaning to live for. These are the words of Dr. Victor Frankel, the inspiration for the movie Victor and I. That's V-I-K-T-O-R and I, movie.com. And TalkSense Radio, The Meaning Connection, with host Mary Similuka and frequent contributor Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. More and more people today are discarding their quest for money, possessions, and things, and are instead beginning a serious quest to find meaning in life. Until now, these discussions were historically in the hands of priests, ministers, and scribes, then to philosophers, psychiatrists, and psychologists. Now, 
These deep discussions are where they should be, in the hands of individuals, on the air, with you. Talk Sense Radio, the meaning connection, with your host, Mary Similuka, and frequent contributor, Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 central, on toginet.com. We often ask, is that all there is? Why is this happening to me? Why am I always broke? How am I going to survive this mess? Then join Dr. Geraldine Tegeloff for Nature Spirits Speak, 7 p.m. Tuesday evenings on toginet.com. Geraldine is a metaphysician, nature intuitive, and prosperity coach who shares with you how she went from totally broke to living what she would call her perfectly prosperous life. Through the combination of a wealth of metaphysical knowledge and her amazing ability as an intuitive, Geraldine brings to you the secrets of her magical journey of healing emotionally, spiritually, and financially. As with the ancient seers and master teachers, Geraldine has a unique gift of being able to connect to the simple yet profound messages brought to us by Mother Nature, and happily shares these through today's note to self on her webpage, naturespiritspeak.com. If you need help with your journey, why not connect with Geraldine during her show, Nature Spirit Speak, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and we are visiting today with our Everyday Bliss Specialist, uh, our Energy Balancing Secret Lady for Complete Health and Vitality, Miriam Webster. You want to go to Kindle and look up her book, Everyday Bliss for Busy Women. I can tell you I have a copy of it, and I find it really great, especially if you are stretched to the gills and you're not used to taking care of yourself. And I'm going to tell you something, Mary. When I first started therapy after I got my divorce, the therapist who is lovely and I still see her today said to me, you need to take better care of yourself. And I blew a gasket because I said, gosh, you know, if one more person tells me that, I'm just going to like shoot myself because I don't even know what that means. I don't know where to begin. I don't know how to start. You know, does that mean I need new clothes, new hair, new teeth, new soul? I really, I really didn't know where to begin. And you know, in my journey and trying to figure out what taking care of myself meant to me, because I think it's all individual, um, I learned a very important phrase that the world will not stop because you take a 10-minute break. The world will not stop because you go take a bath. You know, and I think as mothers, especially for me with small children, I started buckling my kids into car seats in the living room and plugged them in front of the TV so they couldn't go anywhere because as a single mom, I needed to take that bath and I needed that 10 minutes. And of course, I needed my kids to be safe, but you can be very creative. In That's a very this. innovative way to do it. I love that. Well, you know, single mom, two kids, one's a toddler, one's a baby. What do you do when you want to take a bath or go to the bathroom? I took an extra set of car seats. I plugged them in front of my TV and I, you know, buckled the kids in so I knew they were safe and that nothing was going to happen to them. And then I went and took my bath or took my shower or sat down and cried, you know, (laughs) whatever it was I needed at that time. Um, But you talk a lot about health and healing yourself and complete health and vitality. And so many of our women are are either 
uh, starting menopause or in menopause or after menopause. And I think it's funny that menopause has the word pause in it. I'm just going to say that because I'm a goofball. But but I want to talk a little bit about menopause and how do we handle that from a non-drug, you know, work from the body inside out perspective? Well, that's a very good place to go. And I really want to, I want to backtrack just a bit because not only does it go to what you just asked, but you also just brought up and elucidated some of the bliss keys. So in the book, I, I delineated 12 bliss blockers and the bliss keys that get them open. So we've been talking about bliss blocker number one, living at warp speed, because we're all living at warp speed, and especially for moms and, you know, have, have busy jobs, and et cetera. And the bliss key number one is to slow down no matter what it takes. The other thing is um, you, you talked about getting lost in minutiae. It's really, that's bliss blocker number five, getting lost in the small stuff because it's like it's a mountain, and when you take out one little grain of sand from the mountain, the whole thing collapses on top of you. So you've got to focus on what's most important. I had this example of um, what, what was causing a lot of my stress that was, that was putting me in this state of ill health was keeping ahead of all of the things that my mother and my, you know, all of my female re- relatives said you had to do to be a good housewife. And I was focusing in, when I was lying in bed and unable to move, on crumbs on the carpet and having a heart attack, that there were crumbs on my carpet. Which, truthfully, we're talking about three crumbs about 20 feet away from where I was that my husband had dropped off a cookie he was eating, but I could see them. (laughs) And sometimes it's that I can see this, that, or the other in my environment, and it's freaking me out, and I can't do anything about it. So those things that we've got that are in our lives that freak us, and we can't do anything about it, and we obsess on, we've got to focus on what's most important. Those crumbs aren't most important. What's most important to you were those kids, okay, and what you were doing with them and then what you were doing for yourself. So I want to also bring it back to reality with that old saw of put on your own oxygen mask first before you put it on your child, otherwise you may not be there to take care of that child. That's what they tell tell you when the airplane's going down, put, put your own oxygen mask on first. And we've got to do that. We have to insert this pause because stress is the number one killer of women in the entire world. So I made a film a couple of years ago uh, about the epidemic of heart disease. And in the late 90s, it was a 60% death rate, uh, women over 40, 60% death rate from heart disease. Now, uh, just a decade later, not just a little more over a decade later, it was uh, up to 89%. Yeah. And stress is what mostly causes heart disease. I mean, eating crappy stuff and, you know, having a crappy lifestyle, doing drugs. But stress is the most cause, and we can we can definitely do something about that. So we need to focus, keep our eye on that one thing, whatever that one thing is that's the most important. And that may, be, may, may vary from hour to hour, but keep your eye on that. And, and let that go. Another thing we can do, this is list blocker number nine, you were talking about that when you were going through your divorce and so on, is addiction to negative input. We have an addiction in our society in particular 
to the, we tell ourselves, I'm too dumb, I'm too fat, I'm too ugly, I'll never get it. And those are voices that we heard from childhood on. And the, the bliss key to this is exactly what you said, to be kind to yourself. Your therapist told you, I have to be, you have to be kinder to yourself. And this isn't just, these aren't platitudes. This is like, if you don't get this now, particularly at midlife, you're going to die young. This is a, a foregone conclusion. You know, 89% heart disease, over 40, come on. We got to get on the stick with this. This is this is a yesterday kind of thing, but we've also like like the old thought: make haste slowly. Yes, so, and and I think a lot of women uh, in their forties they don't. When I was forty, I thought I was old, old, old. I mean, oh, if I had only known. <laughs> but um, you know, I think that we take things for granted. I I don't think we take good enough care of our of our bodies as well, and and their bodies are changing and we're not yep. changing with them. And I think that you really have to be aware of the changes and that how much more vulnerable you are to illness as you get older, and you have to do more to prevent that. Exactly, exactly. I, um, I wanted to say, if I can, that if it's a little much to try and teach this on radio, but I really want to give your, your listeners some exercises they can do in the privacy of their own homes. And can I, can I just tell them where to go to do that? Sure. Um, I have a website, everywomanchanges.com, everywomanchanges.com. If you go there and stick your name and address in the right-hand side, uh, there's a little form to sign up. I'll send those, start sending those to you, and you'll get little notifications and, and a new exercise to do. And this is all stuff you can do right now to take that stress down. Uh, but I would like to share something right now. Is that, is that okay? Can, sure. we, can we all get up and do this together? I'm up. Okay. We're up, hey, we we're did up. belly dancing on the air. <laughs> okay. we, can, we can do this. We're up, we're down. Awesome. So this is uh, something called the cross crawl. This comes out of a um, modality known as applied kinesiology. So it looks at what the body does best and when we get out of whack, how to put it back into balance. And it's very easy. All you have to do, I also have the instructions for if you're, if you're chair-bound or bedridden, um, but, but stand up wherever you are, if you can stand up, and you want to lift your right knee and you want to just tap it with your left hand and lift your left knee and tap it with your right hand and lift and tap. Just alternate back and forth to the opposite hand, tapping the opposite knee and breathing nice and deep and full. As you go, this is kind of like a little uh, funky little jumping jack in a way. <laughs> and as we do this, yeah, and you might get a runner in your hose, and that's okay. You know, it's like the crumb on the floor. Ignore it. Doesn't matter. Um, but as you do that, what you're doing is you're hooking up the right and left hemispheres of your brain. Mm-hmm. And when we get frazzled and stressed, and particularly in midlife, when we get that brain fog where we just can't think right, we can't remember people's names that kind of thing, and we get a little crazy with it, this is one thing that helps that, helps keep our brain hemispheres synced up so that we don't go into that crazy space. And that's an example of the kind of, I mean, how simple was that? It's like, it's like being on the playground when you're a kid, right? It's like doing those little, you know, crazy little moves we did when we were kids on the playground. The, most of this stuff is like that. It's not 
terribly, uh, you know, time-intensive or, or instrument-intensive. So was that something you guys could do, Sandy and Linda? Are you? I already yeah, did it. I was up doing it. Well, you know, I, I, Sandra might be a little young, but I certainly get those senior moments. But, you know, I don't panic with them anymore because it, it comes back, um, the answers come back very quickly. But and we know when it doesn't happen right away, it, it, I used to freak out. Yeah, exactly. And you think, oh, my God, it's Alzheimer's. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not going senile, there. Senile dementia, I know it's around the corner. I've had so many clients come in and go, I'm here because... I want to get coaching before my brain completely goes. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, I've started having this happen. I go, oh, honey, it's okay. <laughs> See your doctor by all means. But I can tell you that probably what's happening is this. We do a few of these little exercises, and bada-bing, they're back. So can, I, can we do another one real quick? You know what? We're going to have to we bring have you back because we only have a minute uh, till the end of the show, but we'll bring you back and we'll do some more exercises on the air. Uh, we're visiting today with Everyday Bliss for Busy Women with Miriam Webster. And Miriam, I'd like you to tell people how they can reach you and how they can get your book. Oh, that's great. Thank you very much. And you can, again, go to my website, uh, everywomanchanges.com, everywomanchanges.com. I have a forum on the right-hand side. You can sign up to be on my newsletter. I'll start sending you these, these energy exercises. And I'd like to invite every woman that's listening, if you are at a place where you really need to get out of this stuff, book a free strategy session with me. I'm happy to meet with you and see if what I've got is a fit for what you want. And you can get my book, by the way, on Amazon, Everyday Bliss for Busy Women. There are uh, still a few copies left around. And although it's out of print, I am taking this information and I am putting it into a new book for women at midlife. So that's to come. Love that. Love that. All right. Next week, come back with us. We're going to visit with Wendy Dotson from Virginia Midwives, and we're going to learn all about different birthing options using a midwife. We're so glad you joined us for Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Sandra Beck, Los Angeles-based single mother and technology company owner, knows what it's like to be fit, funny, and fantastic in your 40s. Linda Franklin, a New Yorker with a successful marriage 